Hello mamas and welcome to season 2 episode 8 of Bump to Mum. I am your host Emma and this week's episode is with the lovely Hannah Barrett. I love this conversation with Hannah. Hannah and I actually met at university and we were both doing first year law and we were in a tutorial together. Um, we've since then got a lot of friends in common and it's been amazing to see her go through her kind of motherhood experience with her two beautiful girls. So she has Billy who is two and a half now and Coco who is five months old. Hannah talks us through how motherhood has been for her, highs and lows, the differences in her two girls, Billy and Coco, in terms of their fourth trimesters and their little personalities. Um, she also talks about kind of the juggle of motherhood, you know, balancing work, mum life, friends, family, her relationships and, you know, how what what works for her and her family at the moment. We also talk about, you know, how her family kind of operates with Bowdoin's travel schedule, what that looks like for her, how every day is so different working for herself. Um, and she shares with like what her village around her looks like in terms of, so that her and Bowdoin can have these awesome careers and, and do everything they want to do and be very present parents as well. Hannah is such a down-to-earth, funny chick and I just absolutely love talking to her. She's so friendly and I really hope you enjoy this conversation. Um, I don't think any further introduction is needed. Let's just get into this episode. I hope you love it as much as I did. Hey Hannah, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Why don't you take a few moments and introduce yourself and tell everyone that's listening a little bit about yourself and your family. Okay, sounds good. It's funny introducing myself to you, obviously, because we <laughs> we haven't met each other are. at uni. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for everyone else, so I um, my name's Hannah. I have two little girls. Their ages are two and a half and five months. Um, I live in Auckland and we also have two dogs. So there's six of us in our family. Um, yeah. What else do people usually say when they introduce themselves? It's the funniest thing to do, isn't it? It's like, what do I say about myself? Like what, you know, like introduce myself. It's like meant to be the simplest thing, but you're like, oh my God, like, what do I say? That's perfect. I know. Um, do I need to <laughs> offer up my star sign or something? Yeah. <laughs> life story um yeah but it's so funny what you say about the dogs because my dogs used to be my absolute world but um it's funny how when babies and children come into the picture they slowly just like go down a few pegs and I never thought that would happen but now I'm like oh yeah and my dogs um I know I have huge um dog mum guilt because I have I'm just really struggle with the dogs so um, sorry, I. Bowden's just walked in. I don't think he realizes I'm doing a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've got huge dog mum guilt. And like you said, they were our babies. And I remember people t- telling me, when you have kids, you know, they, they'll they be like, not nothing to you, but they'll be like bottom of the heap. And they really are now. It's quite sad. I know. I'm the same. And I never believed it. But they actually, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but they drive me mental sometimes in the day. And I feel really bad. Like I'll get to the end of the day and be like, 
Shit, I was so mean to them today, but they were just so annoying. Uh, maybe it's just me. I don't know. But no, oh. I can definitely relate to that. It's hard, especially if you've had a tough day. You know, the kids and mm. the kids are on one, and the dogs are barking. Yeah. It's just a bit on. So tell me where you're at in your motherhood journey today. You've obviously got a busy toddler. You've got a five-month-old. There's a lot on. What are you really enjoying? What are some challenges you're facing? Yeah, so there is a bit on. (laughs) I don't know how people with more than two kids cope. Um, But So I've written down here every day is a challenge. I made some (laughs) notes. um, And I think that sort of epitomizes motherhood um just when you think you're sort of learning to master one of your kids ages they'll um develop or learn something new or evolve and reach a new milestone and you've got sort of more problems to deal with but also on the flip side more experiences amazing experiences with the kids so Mm. Yeah, it's just I think motherhood is just it's interesting because it's constantly evolving and mm. um you know that's why we that that's why the kids keep us on our toes. Oh, it, it is that exactly that, right? Like you like feel like you're getting into this rhythm, you're nailing it, you've got this really good kind of routine going and then they just change and you're like wake up one day and you're like, "Right, how do I how do I deal with this? Like what do I do now?" And no one can tell you what to do. You've literally just got to figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, kids really keep me humble <laughs> because, you know, it's like, you know, no one's an expert really. And um, as much as you try and have your shit together, well, this maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but I feel like I'm very much not together. <laughs> yeah, I I can very much relate. So what is, so you've got a two-year gap with the girl is girls is that right is my, my yeah is it's terrible. just over two years two years and maybe three months and how are you finding like did you want a that sort of gap with the girls or or you know what had you kind of envisioned or did it just kind of happen that way yeah well um we did sort of want that kind of gap um we, we were trying for um Coco when I got pregnant so it was like it was definitely mm. planned um and I think it was a good time for us because Billy was toilet trained and she was in a bed. Um, so it's I definitely found that a bit easier, having a newborn mm. with um, a toddler who was toilet trained and sleeping in a bed and we were out of the cot and stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, the gap is good. Like they, They're really cute together, adorable yeah. together, in fact. Um, although that they definitely both have their moments. I know Billy's... She loves being an older sister, but I have to watch her. You know, sometimes she might have like a little pillow over Coco's head or, you know, just patting her a little bit too hard. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty cute. And what are like the, like, have you, can you see differences and similarities between like their personalities? Yeah. Or do you just feel like Coco's still too little to kind of see it? Yeah, I think it's funny because I think in hindsight, like looking back, you can definitely see what their personalities are going to be like, although it may not be super obvious Mm. at the time. Um, And like Billy's been a very different, she was a very different baby compared to Coco. And I think um, we sort of thought Coco was this big chiller for quite a few months. 
Mm. And now she's just that personality is shining through and she's actually quite feisty. And You're going to be busy, aren't you? Yeah, I think I've got two sass queens, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably karma. <laughs> oh, it's so cute. And actually why we talk about kind of that newborn phase. So what has your fourth trimester with Coco been like and, and how has it been different to your fourth trimester with Billy? Because I know you spoke quite openly about how hard you found that fourth trimester with Billy having um, colic. So I'd love to know what it's been like this time around. Um have you felt like being a second time mum that you've felt better prepared or is it just again like a different baby whole new ball game yeah well so I really want to say to anyone that had quite a tough time first time round that not to lose hope um and from my experience that the the fourth trimester for each child has been so completely different and and I think that's because of a number of factors um Firstly, they are different babies, um, yeah. completely different babies. Obviously, Coco doesn't have colic. Um, and I think I'm a lot more confident the second time round. I know how to trust my gut. And I've, I feel like I've got a lot of tools in my sort of metaphorical toolbox that I can use um, now. You know, I've learned a yeah. few tricks of the trade. Um, and also with Billy, Bowden was there for the two of the first 12 weeks whereas mm. um when I had Coco he's been at home the whole time so that obviously yeah. helps having a dad around oh for sure like I can't like having when I think about now having had a baby and that first 12 weeks and the fact that you had Bowden there for two of them with Billy like I just can't imagine how hard that isn't like you've got family and stuff but it's not quite the same as you having your husband or your partner yeah I think that's the thing um you know people people can family can help and my family were amazing but it it doesn't really replace your partner Mm. Mm. Um, yeah but it's all character building and I think you know you might think oh that sounds so hard but there's other people that have it much harder and Mm. when you're in it at the time you just know that your only option is to get through it and you do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You don't have a choice, right? Like you've got to just keep trudging on. What were some things that you kind of learned with that experience with Billy that had like, you know, your, your toolbox, you know, in my toolbox. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about your toolbox. Okay. So I've got a few tools in there. Um, One was just around, you know, if, if, the baby doesn't settle trying, you know, different holds. There was a hold I had where I'd hold her with her stomach along my sort of forearm um, mm. and my hand by her neck because it was sort of better for her to be on the stomach and just sort of rocking mm. her there or putting her in the front pack. Um, they sound really basic now, but I, I think I just was so overwhelmed the first time that I didn't really know. Mm. Um assisted nap so having a nap in the pram or the nap in the front pack instead of feeling like you always have to have them napping in the cot yeah Um, side sleeping really helped me with billy um and with windy babies if you if you get a wedge and you sleep them facing their left hand side um anatomically the wind sort of rises to their stomach and if they're sleeping on their left it can go up through their 
it must be up through their sort of stomach and through their esophagus that the wind, the gas bubbles. Mm-hmm. I um, didn't know that one. That's a goodie. No. If there's any doctors listening to that, I've definitely got like the wrong body parts. Okay, don't judge me. This is not medical advice. This is just your toolbox. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So face, so baby facing the left. Um, yeah, what what else? I tried all of the um, colic calms and the grape waters and dipping a dummy in grape water. Uh, and, and I don't know if that really helped, but it's, you sort of get to the point where you just try everything and hoping for a miracle and then something does work but then the next day you try that one thing right and then it doesn't work it's just hard to predict I'd love to know another tool in my toolbox yes spacing the feeds out because I sort of got told to feed on demand and I had so much milk and every time she cried I'd just be shoving like the boob in her face and she'd be sputtering and choking because my letdown was so fast and actually for us and this doesn't work for everyone like I I know some people do have to feed on demand if their babies are struggling to put on weight but for us that really helped because Mm -hmm. she was gulping less and spreading out those feeds meant she was less windy yeah I'd love to know because like having not had a baby with colic like how do you know if your baby's got colic? Like what for you with Billy, like how did you kind of get to a point where you're like, okay, this this is colic. This isn't just, you know, an unsettled newborn. Yeah, well, especially with your first, you don't mm. know. Because I just remember thinking, wow, this is so, so hard. And how does anyone do anything? And then it was not until I started hanging out with other people and watching <laughs> their babies that would be happy to sit in the capsule or go to sleep or, you know, not screaming when they were awake. I Mm. realized, okay, mine's a bit different. (laughs) Mine's a bit more special. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I think it's just that comparison because you, because otherwise you don't know. And there's no real definition for a colic baby. It's not like Mm. a reflux where, you know, they can take omeprazole and that helps. It's just such a random sort of not not illness. It's not really an illness, but um, mm. yeah, it's just quite a random thing. It's so funny. So when you did your podcast with Kiwi Birth Tales about Billy's birth, and did then I did put you off having a baby? Trying this to podcast. It's so funny. So at the time, it was when I was living in Sydney. I was not even thinking about kids. And then I did remember you did one about your fourth trimester. And I was like, I want to listen to this. Like, I want to know how Hannah's going. And then you started talking about colic and just being like, not in that stage of life where you have a baby or know about babies. And I was like, Googling what colic is. And I was like, I just don't understand what this is. Like, it's just something you, until you are having a baby or you're faced with it, it's just something you just don't think about right and I remember like listening to your podcasts and thinking it's just crazy because like like you said we've known each other since we're at uni and then you went off and did like went into motherhood and I can imagine because you were one of your first girlfriends from school to go into that right so you're kind of you're the first one figuring all these things out and now you've got all this experience which must be amazing to be able to like share and help your friends but was it for you did was it kind of like scary being the first or was it like empowering or how did you find that yeah well when I was pregnant I was totally fine with being the first 
one out of the friends to be pregnant um, mm. because I was really excited for it. And then when it when Billy came, it was actually quite isolating in a way because no one had kids and they didn't really know what I was going through um, and why, you know, I'm such an outgoing person naturally and I will chat to literally anyone and everyone. Like I'll go and get a mm. coffee and be talking to randoms and, and they probably didn't understand why I started, you know, being such an introvert. I literally turned into a hermit and didn't really want to see people and because I didn't know how my baby would be when I saw them. Mm. Um, so you just stop really wanting to go out and do things or seeing people. Oh, oh so hard, isn't it? And like, I, yeah. yeah, it's just it a time just, though. I think that's yeah. like another really important thing to remember is that yes, it is a tough time, but it's just a time. And, you know, now she's thriving. She's absolutely thriving. So yeah, it's tough, but it's not, not permanent. Mm. And then like you said as well, it's not meant that, you know, it's not been the case for Coco. Like you've had a very different sort of fourth trimester with her and that's, you know, not necessarily to be scared that it's going to be the same for your next baby as well. Yes. Yes, exactly. So it all sort of swings and roundabouts and yeah, I've, wow. I've found it much easier the second time. Oh, that's so good to hear. And so I know you've, you haven't spoken about your birth much, but what with Coco, but what was your recovery from birth? like this time around and like how were, were the births different? Were they similar? How are you feeling now? Like five months post birth. I'd love for you to like kind of touch on that a little bit. Um, yeah, I'm feeling really good. I, um, her birth was pretty straightforward. Um, I had an epidural as a vaginal birth and, um, it was a pretty quick birth. I didn't tear or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I was really lucky in that respect. And my body, she was a lot bigger than Billy was. So it's, mm. um, I had a lot of sort of pressure down there. And I was mm. sort of waddling towards, well, no, I, I definitely was not sort of. I was, <laughs> I was actually struggling to walk like the last three oh. weeks of the pregnancy. My pelvis felt like it was just broken. Um, oh. So now not being pregnant, I feel I felt a million bucks. I feel a million mm. bucks and um I'm, my body's completely back to normal really. Um I just with two kids haven't had a chance to I feel like I don't have time to gym much or I'll occasionally go for a walk, but I I am really missing doing like sort of high intensity workouts or even going to a Pilates class. It's definitely mm. Over the next few months, I really want to get back into that because I, yeah, don't quite feel back to my old self. And it's just so nice. Like, yeah, it's nice to exercise, you know, have that time to do some exercise. But it's also just nice to, like, have something that you do completely alone. I feel like I didn't realize how much I was missing that until I started getting back into it. And it's just like, it changes your mood completely just having that hour or 45 minutes whatever it is just to do something totally for you that's nothing to do with like being a mum or work or your partner or family or whatever uh just for me I yeah found that like a really game yeah totally yeah. um I used to hate I, um spending time by myself or doing anything alone really and actually since kids 
I do enjoy it. Isn't that funny? Mm. <laughs> yeah, because you've got so much. You're just never alone. So now you're kind of like, actually, I need that little bit of alone time just to feel normal almost. A hundred percent. And I and I like that, uh, the saying, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup. And, and I feel like once you have that alone time, you sort of, replenished and you you're back to being a much better parent than before oh for sure I had this moment a few weeks ago and I was like it was the first time I had like walked totally alone like not pushing a pram not with friends or Luke or the dogs I was just actually having a walk by myself I wasn't listening to music and I was like oh that like I just I felt afterwards I just felt I mean that might sound totally boring to some people but it was actually just so good. Like I needed it. I just needed complete like silence and peace and to be by myself for like 40 minutes. It wasn't even a long walk. And it was just. How yeah, wild is like, silence? Silence. It's oh. like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and what so you're good. saying about the dogs as well. Like when there's, there's just always noise around you, when you do get silence, it's like, whew, oh, so amazing. good. And also, did you know what to do with your hands during that walk? No. <laughs> No, I didn't. <laughs> they're not on a pram or like holding a baby on the front pack. Like they're kind of dog lost. lead. Yeah. 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 Totally lost. And I was like, yeah, it was all so weirdly freeing. Um, <laughs> oh, amazing. I'd love you to maybe chat about, because, you know, on that note, the juggle of mum life, work, family, friends, time for you and Bowden, time for yourself. How, I mean, it sounds like, maybe it isn't perfectly balanced and I don't think it will ever be, but like what works for you and what does a typical day look like for you at the moment? Um, so my days are all very different actually, I think, um, cause I work for myself. So every day is very different. Um, we do a few activities. So obviously Billy's, um, right into you know almost the do you call them extracurriculars when kids are younger I don't know <laughs> yeah yeah I think so because like, um, yeah. so we do swimming and uh, we did ballet for a bit oh. and we'll probably do um little kickers or something like that next term um and we also go to play center so play centers like um a parent led sort of almost like a daycare but you stay with the kids um mm. while they're there which is amazing so there's lots of things to do there and resources and we'll do baking or messy play and that kind of stuff um so that's what I do with the girls um I also Tuesdays and Thursdays I have an amazing nanny so she looks after the girls for five hours while I um well, I usually try and like cram all my work things in on those days. Mm. Um, yeah, so so that's where I do my work, and then my sort of relationship with Bowden. And that's <laughs> it. All I feel like that's sort of the last thing that's almost always on the back burner during like when life's stressful. But we mm. do actually make a conscious effort, even if it's just getting in the sauna together for twenty minutes and. We don't have our phones in there, so it's nice to just to be able to sit and chat with each other. We've done a few date nights, but we usually tend to go out after the kids are in bed at seven, and we're both just wrecked by the time Mm -hmm. seven comes that we're like, oh, why are we even doing this? 
oh, that's the thing, right? Like, because you're like, yeah, that sounds really nice. And then when it actually comes around to it, you're like, oh, it's the last thing I feel like doing. Like, I just want to sit on the couch. I know. Like, the best thing for us would probably be to, you know, go out for lunch during the day one time when I didn't have the girls and be able Mm. to connect that way. But, yeah, he's really good at making time for me. And, um, you know, it's just a matter of prioritizing. And Yeah. yeah, I think I'll eventually get there, a good balance of things. <laughs> and cuz obviously working for yourself, do you take like some time off like did you take time off when Billy and Coco were born or do you kind of just keep things moving but at a slower pace? Yeah, I mean every time in theory I'm like I need to take time off and enjoy this baby, but it's like the devil in me that is sort of like, oh, no, keep working and I cuz I love working. Um mm. So I can't help myself. I definitely say um, say no to more jobs um, to try and make life a bit more manageable. Mm. But I think like the beauty of um, what I do is just I do have a bit of flexibility and I can do things from home. So that helps. And like if it's something you enjoy as well, like that's important to keep doing it, I think. Like I think it's – it's not like it's this stressful thing that you you don't look forward to. Like you genuinely enjoy your work. On Absolutely. that note, your recent trip, I was very very jealous. <sighs> um, oh my goodness, it looked beautiful. How how was it, and how did you find you know being away from the girls and the family? Was it you know? And I know you mentioned you were having to like pump and it was just you know how how was it because it looked incredible and frick, I was very jealous oh thank you so I um I went to the south of France for a week with um Longcom I've got a partnership with them um they're an amazing brand and I so I my mother-in-law came up to stay with us mm. um and Bowden was at home my husband so he works during the day um, so she was looking after the girls during the day mm-hmm. and I'm so lucky to have her because sh- she's had eight kids herself. So she's an amazing oh mum. And before I left, I wasn't really worried about the girls because I knew they were in such good hands. I mean, they still had their dad there mm-hmm. and, and their nana. Um, I was more selfishly worried about how much I would miss them um yeah <laughs> the point where I couldn't actually talk to people about the trip because I felt sick Aww. to my stomach about it um, I know so I had pumped I had about 32 bags of breast milk in the freezer Far um, out. yeah and it was funny because I don't even really like Coco's had the odd bottle but not much and I didn't actually know how much she drank at each feed so mm. I had these bags that were full with like 180 mils of breast milk and she ended up drinking about 240 mils a feed. She was having about a litre a day of milk. So they they <laughs> actually ran out of milk while I was away and um, ended up having to use formula, which thankfully was fine. Um, that is some solid intake. Like that is some big bottles. I know. The girl can do a milk chug. She loves it. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, and and I I must say when I was over there, it was such a – we had such a busy schedule. Um, I was sort of going to bed at midnight and up at 
6 a.m. and I was pumping every four hours during the day. Thankfully not through the night because Coco's been sleeping through. But yeah, that was full on. So I almost think I was too busy to really mm. miss them. I I miss them. I miss them a lot. And I was so pleased mm. to come home. But I wasn't, you know, my heart wasn't broken over there. And I think it was probably really good for me, especially going into the second half of the year to be, to have that time to myself and the time to work and do that because the next four months from July to October, probably Bowdoin will be away the whole time, maybe back for like a week once or twice, but that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's one of those, and it looked like such an amazing opportunity and so awesome that you have like that kind of village around you that can come and uh, you know support you and allow you to do it but like you say like the next four months are going to be quite you know you're going to be on mom duty full time around yeah and without your without your husband so how how does things change and what does it look like when Bowdoin does go away well I'm very fortunate it's not lost on me um how fortunate I am to have a nanny and um Billy also goes to kindy twice a week. So mm. um, that's really it's really good for her to get that socialization. And um, and I, I try and keep really busy. Otherwise, I think the days feel very, very long. Um, mm. We also try and get outside. You know, I think fresh air is amazing for the kids and for me. Um, mm. <laughs> but... Yeah, it, it's, you know, it's sort of the night times and afternoons when everyone's sort of at home with their families that can be a bit lonely or hard, harder, you know, getting the girls fed and feeding myself, cooking for one's a bit grim. <laughs> yes. No, but I'm I sure. And I myself that it's, um, it's all temporary and, um, yeah, again, there are people that have it much harder, so... Um, you just got to get on with it. Oh, well, you've got a great attitude about it. I think it, you know, it's, you're, you know, you're still, you know, things are allowed to be hard, even if other people have, have harder situations, but you've just got like such a down to earth attitude about it all. Um, and I can imagine what that, you know, I find that five o'clock when, Louie wants dinner like you, we've said the dogs are going mad and then you've got yeah. also got Coco it's just like <laughs> there's a bit going on and you don't have that person to be like hey you do this and I'll do this and let's kind of tag team this a bit but you know, yeah I know well it's like hard even when Bowden's here you know it's we still yeah. both get to seven and we're like oh like put our feet up have some chocolate it's yeah. good um but yeah you know you just do it you just do yeah. it, and and I'm I'm trying to like consciously change my mindset because I feel like the mindset's such a big thing, and I try and flip it on its head and think I'm so lucky I get to do this. Like I get mm. to have these two gorgeous girls. I get to be their world. Um, and I think just having that mindset shift helps. Yeah, I really really like that. Do you with you've mentioned sleep with Coco. So what is sleep like in your home and, and how have, you know, other girls sleeping through the night? Have, have you used a sleep consultant at any point? What's, what works for you guys? So sleep is obviously like a really important thing for me. I'm not one of those people that can function off bad sleep. 
I yeah. need to have sleep. And yeah. and it's the same with um, Bowden. He plays rugby, so he's training um, all day and he really needs to have sleep as well. So yeah. it was sort of not something that I was ever going to muck around with. I was like, we're really going to have to nail this sleeping. Um, so Billy, she was sleeping through from about four months. Oh. Um, and Coco... Oh, yeah was yeah well she was up she hardly ever had like longer than 45 minute naps in the day so I think she was shattered um and Coco was sleeping there from eight weeks and I think partly that's because I had done the sleep training with Billy we had an amazing sleep consultant called Lisa um her Instagram handle is sleep easy she she's incredible and provides really hands-on help so I sort of had a few tricks when it came to Coco that um I could put into play which helped um Mm. don't get me wrong we've definitely had um challenges at certain ages um you know when they maybe have had a milestone or have a regression or something but I think if you have the basic fundamentals you don't um that that is just a milestone or a hurdle and then you're back to good sleep again yeah yeah, at least it's only like a short little blip that's kind of disrupted rather than, you know, kind of a longer-term battle. You know if you stick to kind of the this set sort of routine that you can kind of get things back on track, right? I always freaked out. I always freak out when we – well, not freak out, but when we go away, I'm like, oh, it's all going to go out the window, like the sleep. This, I get myself all in a tiz, but yeah. it is a reminder that it actually really does quickly just fall back into place. Um yeah, I think that's why I love the sleep training because the child knows what to expect and you know what to expect each day. Mm. Yeah. No, can totally relate. And like you say, like I think there's people, some people have their views on sleep training, but I think when it's important to you as a family that you sleep, that's there's not really any two way, like there's, there should be no questions about it. Like it works for you guys and that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And like, um, Another thing for me is I don't want to sleep in the same bed as my kids. I mean, I'm, mm. I might do that if they were really sick or um, there was an exception. But for me, you know, I'd like having that bed to just bone and I. Mm. Um, yeah, so there's things that like we were really like set on from the get-go, which I think helped. And I, I also think it's important to mention that sleep training is not just leaving your child in a dark room to cry. Yeah. You know, like it's yeah. it's definitely not that. It's just setting boundaries um, and, yeah, I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I mean, it's been amazing for us. Yeah, no, and do you know what? The, the more people I speak to, it seems more people have gone down that path and not gone down, you know, in terms of who I've spoken to anyway. Like it seems to yes. be becoming a little bit more normalized like maybe there was a bit more of a stigma attached and that was just around like not understanding what you're actually doing rather than yeah I think there's a lot of misunderstanding um yeah when if people are against it maybe they don't they haven't had a friend who has done it or Hmm. um that kind of stuff so they maybe don't know what what's involved and others just don't want to do it which is totally fine I mean everyone's Hmm. entitled to their own opinion especially when it comes to parenting yeah, 100%. How do you find, like, having, you know, 
husband that's a rugby player you've got your you kind of got a, you've got a large following on social media do you get a lot of people giving you unwanted advice and opinions and if you do like how do you kind of deal with that um well I think sometimes I actually ask for advice on my <laughs> Instagram page about certain things and it's it's actually a really great platform um because I've, I've got a few mums that are um within my network and I've actually learned a lot from it or if I'm unsure about something I've asked done a question box um mm. because for me I think taking people's advice like and real people's advice is much better than browsing for hours on the internet um so that's been amazing I mean there's definitely been times where people have um suggested things to me or you know maybe given me alternatives to what I'm doing that I haven't asked for but a lot of the time it's come from a really kind place and Mm. it's it's been actually good to hear that because I think you know like no one's got it all figured out and Mm. as long as people phrase it in sort of a nice way that doesn't feel like you're being attacked I'm totally open to feedback because I'm definitely not perfect yeah oh yeah and I think as well like there's so much you know there can be a lot of negativity with social media but in some ways as well it's such an amazing way to connect and like for people in in all different walks of life and like you know the podcast I recorded the other week and this girl had a baby with um, a heart defect and she was able to find her community through online so we probably I probably give and you know I always lead with like how do you find social media but in some ways it can be really helpful as well yeah and I think you know obviously there have been times where people have said things that might have affected me but I think more times than not you know there's really lovely people on there and 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 there's a lot of positives um but I think as humans, like we tend to focus on the negatives, don't we? And like one negative for a hundred positives is what sticks in our mind. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I don't know why it's the way that it sucks because it literally can. And then you get all this amazing positive stuff and then this one thing will ruin your day and you're like, why Why am I, Why are we wired this way? I'm not sure. I know, I know. And I think, yeah, I think we just have to make a conscious conscious effort to you know shrug it off I always think you know at least those negative comments are making my skin a bit thicker (laughs) (laughs) oh such a you got a very positive mindset I love it what has been your hardest and most enjoyable season of motherhood to date and why oh this sounds sort of cliche but I think motherhood is such a journey and like I said always changing and for me, each season um, has its difficulties, but you just love it. And I think with Billy, you know, every age, I'm like, oh, this is my favorite age. No, this is my favorite age. Um, it just seems to be getting better and better. And then with Coco, it's just going so, so fast. Um, mm. It's like I've blinked and she's almost six months. Yeah, I, I think... I don't think there's any particular parts that have been better than others. I will say that I really didn't enjoy the newborn phase the first time and I um, really enjoyed it the second time. Mm. So, yeah, I think maybe if you have one child and you've had a really hard 
phase, try not to think that every phase is going to be like this or this phase will be terrible with every child because I don't think that's necessarily true. Mm. No, I think that's very, very true in terms of, yeah, great, great advice. Um, what would you say if, you know, if you had someone that was about to become a mom or someone that was close to you, what is something you wish you, 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 you'd want to tell them about motherhood um, that was something maybe you didn't know when you went into it first time around? I think I want to punch pre-kids me in the face. I was just so painfully cocky going into it. Um, I thought I had it all figured out. And I actually remember people saying to me, are you nervous? And I was like, no. I was like, God, no, I've, I've nannied. I've been around lots of young kids. I'm not nervous. I like, quote, the baby's going to fit into my life. I'll be bringing the capsule to Pilates. And the irony was that I was like at home for the first four months, bawling my eyes out, thinking what on earth is going on. Um, so so really what I do say to mums is, you know, nothing can prepare you at, at all. There's nothing I could possibly say that will resonate with you now or sort of give you a glimpse into what your life is going to be like, I don't think. Um, but I do always think it's important to go with your gut. Um, and you'll probably agree with this, that like, you know, the mum knows best and, yeah, oh. I, the best thing you can do is to trust your instincts. I'm just laughing as well because I had very similar ideas pre-kid pre Emma um, around what life would look like. And, like, it's – but you're so right. Like, there is nothing that you can say – because it's even hard to just kind of describe because there's so much that has changed. Like, everything has changed. Mm. And then something, you know, trying to – how do you – and, like, someone might have a baby that just can go to Pilates with them, you know? Like, that they might be able to do that, and that's cool. But, like um, – I mean, I I just even think I didn't even think I wanted to take Louis to Pilates. I'd rather <laughs> stay at home with someone to look after him, and I'll go to my Pilates by myself. But you think Aww. these things? Like you think they'll literally just come with you, and it's sweet. Like even like breastfeeding blew my mind. Oh yeah, like that's a journey as well. How long you spend breastfeeding? Like it's insane. Oh, um, I know, and that's like you have to sit on the couch and do that. You can't get anything else done at that time. No, that's it. And like especially when they're little, and they're just like. That's all you kind of – that was probably the biggest, I think, shock for me personally was just how much time you spend breastfeeding your baby. And it's beautiful, don't get me wrong, and I feel very fortunate that I had that journey and still having that journey. But it's like it is a lot of time, and yeah. I had no idea about that going into it. Well, you're also quite a productive person, so you would have found that very hard. I did. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think I'm not – I've learned about myself that I'm not really like a sit on, I was not the sit on the couch and just lap up the newborn cuddles mother. Like I, I do, yes. I did yeah. love that, but it just doesn't like that does not really align with my personality. I love doing stuff and being out and about. So I think I found that newborn phase tricky because yeah, you're just, you do just have to spend a lot of time sitting, feeding, mm. cuddling. And it's beautiful, but it's a lot as well. Anything of yeah. a lot can feel hard, I think. Yeah, definitely. And I think also 
you know, we've touched on all the physical things, but what about like the mental capacity that mm. children take up in your brain? Like now, well, since having Billy, any decision I make or anything I do, you know, my kids are at the forefront of every decision. Mm. Um, yeah. And I don't know if it's like, it probably is the same for some guys, but it wouldn't be quite the same as it is for us females. Um, yeah. Wow. Like, I mean, yeah. I must have lived such a selfish life when it was just me because I only ever had to consider like myself or my family and certain decisions. Mm. And now it's just like purely how will this work with the kids, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like the mental load, right? Like just, there's just endless kind of to-do lists and things yeah. to consider. And like, yeah, the brain just whirs constantly. It's hard to, Hard to switch it off, I think, as well. And it's so true what you say about the decision-making. Like, I look back and, like, the spontaneity of life, I think, you yes. kind of lose because you can't just be as impulsive or, like, last minute with things because you need to plan and think about how it's going to work with the kids. And, like, for you as well, with obviously both you and Bowden traveling at different times, like, I can't even imagine what your calendar looks like or if you have like a family calendar you must have a family calendar yeah we've right? got a joint um google yeah. calendar and it's hectic but it's good because we can see you know what each other's doing on each day and then try and tee up some time together or you know figure out when we can you know take the kids for an ice cream or go for a walk or something like that yeah um, that's such a yeah, good but idea you know what emma we've got some stuff to look forward to when the kids are at uni We'll we'll be back in our spontaneous ways, planning trips and stuff. It'll be all good. <laughs> so good. Just like where they'll be living their best lives like we did in uni. Kind of scares yeah, me yeah. a little bit. Exactly. Although, I'll, yeah, I probably won't be wearing as, you know, the dresses won't be as short and I'll, <laughs> I'll be covering up a bit more. <laughs> oh, so good. I Actually, this is, I feel so old, but I was walking the other morning and I saw some girls that were wearing like their school uniform and they just had like bare legs, their skirt and a jumper. And I said to Luke, I was like, oh, I feel freezing looking at them. Like I had a beanie, a scarf, a puffer. Like I was literally off to the snow. And I was thinking, I was like, oh my God, like that's like what, how, that is, that was probably me, like rewind however many years ago. And like. And that's so something your mum would say. I feel freezing just looking at you. <laughs> yeah, look. Put a scarf on, put some tights on. Oh, yeah. so hectic. So, hey, I would love, I know I'm conscious of time. I could just keep chatting and chatting to you because very easy to talk to, obviously. Um, and we have this history together, but I would love you to maybe share like what's what's happening for you guys for the remainder of the year um anything that you particularly looking forward to with you know personally or in your motherhood kind of journey that's coming up um so I've just signed up for baby sensory classes with Coco which I'm excited to do uh with her because I don't really do anything one-on-one um so that will be really nice I feel like Billy takes up a lot of our time but that's probably just natural um so yeah that will be lovely um there's obviously the rugby world cup coming up so hopefully things go to plan and we head over to france to watch some of that um that will be amazing Um, that will be super cool yeah yeah it should be good lots of pastries and lots of fun things for the girls to do over there and 
then in December we are going to be moving to Japan for six months as a family. Um, Bowden's got a contract there paying, paying for a team called Toyota. So, yeah, that will be another fun little challenge and um, a cool experience for the girls. Oh, so cool. And you've obviously done Japan with Billy when she was younger. Um, so do you kind of going back there, does it feel quite familiar and, you know, like, how do you feel about, you know, going with the, the two girls this time around? Yeah, I'm really excited. We um, we went when Billy was, I think she was, she was 12 weeks old. Yeah, that's when I saw Bowden after he'd been away for so long um, in Japan. So, so it'll be quite a different trip because Coco will be almost one and Billy will be at three. So it'll be quite cool to do a little bit more mm. with them. I was sort of limited when Billy was so much younger. Um, I felt like I sort of had to be home for some naps and um, they have amazing sort of indoor play parks and stuff, um, which she was a bit young for. So I'm really mm. excited to take the girls back and do all of that with them. Oh, that'd be so cool. Any tips for traveling with little ones? Like you've done some travel with your girls. Is there anything that you find that works really well? I like would love to know. Oh, I feel like I'm by no means an expert and every flight is so different. It just depends on... Mm. Their personality, like, well, not their personalities. It depends on how they're feeling and their moods at the time. But yeah. um, I always bring two changes of clothes for um for for each child because I've just been burned the hard way with that, and just lots of snacks, lots and lots of snacks, and you know a few toys they haven't seen before. Um, sellotape is a really good one, or post-its. Oh. Um, I mean, I know it's an absolute waste of sellotape and post-its, but if it gets you through a three-hour flight, then that's amazing. <laughs> oh, for sure. And I'm sure everyone around you is incredibly grateful for your post-its and sellotape as well. Yeah, not to have a screaming child. Um, yeah. <laughs> and activity books, colouring in is amazing. If they're in an age where they'll sit and watch something, you know, that might buy you 45 minutes. Um, yeah. Look, I don't think anyone's cracked the Da Vinci Code of kids traveling. Um. <laughs> oh, no, for sure. It's just little nice things to... help, yeah. Exactly. It's something you might not have considered, and then it just gives you that little bit of an idea to kind of, you know, if you if you are doing a trip soon to kind of have, you know, another tool in your box, Hannah. This yeah. is what we need. We need lots tool of box. tools. Yeah. And we can't be relied on to have all come up with all these tools ourselves we need ideas from other people I think that's like maybe that's like just the wrap-up of the conversation is what you know get some tools in your box yeah yeah toolbox inspo are we not doing the poo explosion story oh no I forgot that no I want that we definitely need that because <laughs> I what? have one for each kid and they're funny oh. okay I'm ready okay so Billy I was down at and um Queenstown for one of my best friends hens do's and I was in this all white dress um she woke up from a nap and just did a huge poo leaked through the nappy leaked through her clothes leaked onto my white dress at a winery um so here I was just enjoying a glass and literally covered in poo thankfully most of it came out I could sponge it but that was a disaster. Oh. But I feel like Coco takes the cake. We were in, um, we were in, it was actually the other day, we were in 
Maggie Marilyn and I was trying some clothes on and the girl in there was so nice and she said, we've got a blanket, like you can put your daughter down on the blanket um, to roll around. And I was like, amazing because she'd just been in the capsule. And so I was in this, trying on this little slinky <laughs> silk dress and I went to pick her up out of the capsule and I sort of put her back against mine and realized that she had just pooed <gasps> everywhere. Um, oh my God. I know it was such a fiasco. So I was holding her. Thankfully I didn't like put her onto me and onto the oh. silk gown but oh. um anyway I thought oh gosh okay well I have to quickly get her change and I was rummaging through the nappy bag and of course second child I hadn't I've taken a change out at some point and not replenished the nappy bag so I had nothing <laughs> to get her changed into such a disaster so I ended up just putting her in a nappy in the capsule that like anyone watching <laughs> like wow this woman is a hot mess and I would have agreed with them. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Coco went home and like some new Maggie Marilyn. And oh, yeah, she would have been so lucky. <laughs> was it like a beautiful blanket? Well, did she poo on the blanket or just it oh had leaked out? Thankfully, she did not poo on the blanket because it was like oh. a wool one that probably would have been like worth a lot. So that was good. Um, oh but no, the staff were actually so nice about it, to be fair. If I didn't have kids, I would have been like, what is this woman up to? Like coming to our shop with this poo everywhere and not having a change of clothes. Oh, no. <laughs> and it's always the way, right? Like they say they'll always do a poo when you're least prepared. So, or like wearing white or you don't have a change or you don't have a nappy. Like that's mm. when it's going to happen, of course. Oh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> they know oh, when to get you. Yeah. They do. It's like they plan it. It's like as well, like I was just with the sleep thing and naps and all that sort of stuff. Like I feel like Louie knows when I've planned something for a nap and for whatever reason, he oh. will, that will be the nap that doesn't happen. Like it's been going great and then it doesn't happen. You know, well, you put them down a little bit earlier because you're going to do something when they wake up and then they take 45 minutes to go to sleep or something like that. Yeah, 100%. Without fail, that has happened to me and it's been, yeah, I, I just, it's, they know, they know. Yeah, I, they I, know how to throw a curveball and they love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad we got your poo explosion stories. The last few times I've asked that question, people said they haven't had poo explosions and it's made me think maybe I'm just this like ill-equipped mother that has all these poo explosion stories, but I love them. So thank you. Oh my gosh, them. what? I've only yeah, had more time. I, I've got, a, like, I have so many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I thought everyone would, but apparently some babies just never have had poo explosions, and I don't. I, I'm I'm not sure I believe it, to be honest. Oh, well, they must be doing something right then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much, Hannah. It's been so lovely to chat, and like I said, I could actually just keep chatting to you, um, but I will let you get back to your beautiful girls and your family. Um, but, yes, thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Emma. Lovely to chat.